Hi guys, welcome to the Fashion Law Podcast by the African Fashion Law. My name is Annie O.T. and we have an amazing guest today who has a vast experience in the beauty and in the fashion industry across the world. He has been the managing director of Linton Beauty in Nairobi, Kenya. And Linton Beauty is the primary business operator um, of MAC in the whole of East Africa. He has been the business director of River Island in Kuwait and he has equally been the general manager of Nike in Dubai. I'm so excited to introduce in the person of Karen Murphy. How are you doing today, Karen? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Okay, so next off, we're just going to jump right into the topic for today. Nigeria as an emerging market. Nigeria is filled with like so much possibilities and opportunities however in order for us to fully harness the opportunities it's important that we understand the position in which creatives stand so that will just take me right into the first question that i have for our amazing guest today so what are the factors that make nigeria an appealing market for brands like nike uh, there are actually a plethora of reasons why international brands are showing a keen interest in, in uh, Nigeria at the moment. Nigeria is, is a bit of a sleeping giant. Uh, I think historically, global brands look always looking for new markets. And historically, it was always China 20 years ago, then India. And then third but not least was always Africa. Uh, and now Nigeria being the sort of the economic powerhouse uh, uh, of Africa, it's obviously the first step for international brands to come into this particular market so that they understand what the what East African and West African markets are like, uh, understand the idiosyncrasies of local laws and operating procedures. Revenue generating point of view, East Africa, sorry, West Africa, I keep getting confused because I've, I've just come back from Kenya. Uh, now, West Africa has huge potential over the next 20 to 30 years. And that's why we decided that it was time for us to set up our Nike operations here in, in, in Lagos. Uh, not just for the short-term uh, benefits, but for the, the long, uh, long-term benefits. So we intend to be here for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Your grandchildren will be shopping in Nike stores and, and buying Nike products, hopefully, in the, in the long-term future as well. Yeah, and that brings me to the fact that I think I forgot to mention something that was like so important that um, Karen here is the country general manager of Hudson Business Development and the representatives of Nike in Nigeria. And, um, you know, on researching and finding out about um, Hudson, um, I understand the vision and the goal, and I saw that there is the goal of having like um, 65% of Hudson's turnover from the African markets. So generally, we have a huge market mm. that, to a large extent, it would seem that we are not fully, will I say, harnessing the potential of what we have. So that will bring me to my next question. There are several challenges in the industry, like 
by industry, I mean in the fashion and in the beauty industry, especially for SME creatives and all, and the challenges cut across um, issues around infrastructure, um, issues around raising capital, and I'll say that there's the aspect of the business know-how and legal processes, which the Africa fashion law will be catered to in to a large extent for um, SMEs and businesses in general. What would you say you have seen as like um, the major business challenges in Nigeria, right? That can not only affect global brands, but you know, smaller brands. And how can we, um, what steps can we take to resolve those issues mm. and challenges? Okay. Again, many, many challenges. I think obviously from a global brand perspective, uh, the main challenges that have not just say with Nigeria but with Africa in general would be the sort of political and economic stability of a country. Uh, not that I'm an expert on Nigerian politics, but from what I've seen, it seems to be relatively stable from an outside point of view for quite a number of years. Uh, economically, though, I know we're going through certain challenges with the uh, the exchange rate at the moment, uh, and those are the two main uh, reasons. Uh, that international brands do decide or don't decide to come into a market. Then on top of that, there are the operational challenges. There's the supply chain. Uh, getting product uh, into Africa uh, adds anything from four to eight weeks on top of a supply chain. Uh, and the, the, the cost of that is uh, importation costs are, are quite extreme in this part of the world. Uh, some of the markets we deal with, we have a 50% import tax on top of our, our product. And unfortunately that gets passed on to the consumer to a, to a large extent. Mm -hmm. So uh, the importation cost, then it's the actual infrastructure of uh, connecting with the consumer. Both ways of connecting with the consumer is sort of the uh, at the retail, the bricks and mortar end, uh, and then through the e-commerce end. The e-commerce, uh, I think, is beginning to develop quite strongly in this mm -hmm. part of the world. Uh, and I think that is probably what's going to be driving a lot of uh, uh, retail sales going forward, but they still have to have a an experiential uh, uh, experience with the brands. So we need to have uh, stores set up so that store people can come in, experience what the brand is all about, see the product, touch the product, uh, understand what the service is about, what the message of the of, of a particular brand is, mm -hmm. uh, and they can use that as a touch base and then connect with them again through the uh, through the e-commerce platform. But it's trying to create that. Uh, experience which is proving channel especially in lagos at the moment it's uh, uh there are very few shopping malls and the real estate is difficult to uh, to manage at the moment oh wow um to an extent um i'll take from my perspective i know that we have like you know huge challenges which limits like the extent to which um i'll say the industries can actually grow because I'll say that um, Hudson is primarily in the distribution retail um, sector yes. here in Nigeria, yeah. like globally. But even for brands here in um, Lagos, or rather SMEs here, they face similar problems. Yeah. And um, as a business professional and as a lawyer, um, generally we encourage, that's the African fashion, we encourage businesses to have, you know, 
ensure that they do the um, right process as regards to legal diligence mm. and having the right business processes. Um, I've come across like businesses, um, SMEs here in Nigeria, and the businesses here are largely informal. Yes, we have businesses that have grown to the point of attaining formal structures, having things in place, but then we still have like a large percentage of businesses that would be categorized as informal due to the nature um, that the businesses are in. So um, generally, what would you say is the importance of having um, a sound business process in building a fashion brand or in building a retail business? It's extremely important, regardless of the creativity uh, uh, side of, of, a, of a particular brand. It's consistency with the customer and it's cost management. Uh, so from a production point of view and a supply chain point of view, you need to get the most efficient costs uh, within your operation that you possibly can. And then ensuring that you have a consistent supply of product, innovation to the consumer so that they can become, it becomes part of their life. Uh, it's also important to, be, to create a circle of communication with your consumer. So you talk to your consumer before they purchase, you talk to your consumer as they purchase, and then you talk to your consumer Mm-hmm. after they purchase so there's a whole circle of communication so it becomes part of their day-to-day life they might think about your brand every single day but when it comes to an occasion where they might particularly buy some product you should be forefront of their of their thoughts when they uh, uh, when they go to make a purchase so ensuring that there is consistency with your brand offer consistency mm-hmm. with your pricing uh, and consistency with your communication so it all leads up to the consumer eventually. Yes. Like they'll say, the customers are the kings. Ah, well, yeah. there's no reason why. That's the only reason we're here is yeah, because actually, of the consumer. Yeah. So what would you say? What would you say the future holds for emerging creatives, and um, how can they proactively shape the future while embracing, you know, brands like Nike being in Nigeria? I think from what I've seen of the market and my interaction with other retailing brands and, and creatives, Nigeria has a huge international footprint, whether it be through music, art, sport. It is becoming a driver of mm-hmm. fashion and style uh, throughout the globe, especially in Europe and, and, and especially in America. And I think for emerging designers or emerging retailers, while they should be focusing on the local market, where the real growth and the real stability in their brand is if they can tap into uh, distribution in international markets. So I think finding a supply channel for their product internationally mm-hmm. would be would really elevate their presence in Nigeria, but also elevate their presence globally. Okay, um, I have a question yeah. related to this. So um, I know with Hudson, um, Hudson primarily works with um, distribution, retail. So in an instance where a brand like, let's say, a um, upcoming brand here in Nigeria decides, okay, um, we would like to get into the international market and we want to work with Hudson. I know Hudson goes for the very, <laughs> very best. Mm. But like, what would that be like? What would Hudson be looking out for in a brand? Uh, in that would be quite a difficult for an emerging brand, whether it came from Lagos or London or mm-hmm. Los Angeles, uh, because they would want to see a history of the okay. brand and they'd want to see a stability and they'd want to also see an existing 
marketplace. So if there's an emerging brand in, say, in, in Nigeria, they would want to have distribution through multi-channel uh, operators, whether it be through department stores in, in Europe or the States or in uh, smaller uh, boutiques and places like that. That's where they would get their uh, initial start with. Same with Nike. Nike didn't start with oh, Nike stores. I'll, I'll say a red shoe <laughs> yeah. dog and the yeah, whole... Yeah. The, the f- first pair of Nikes were sold out on the back of a boot of a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a process, yeah, it's a, a, process. a long process yeah, towards... Yeah. But it's having that vision and that plan and knowing what steps you need to take. But eventually, like let's say 20 years down the line, they can, yeah. they can come for hot and be like, we're ready. Yes, exactly. <laughs> let's say like maybe 10 yes. years. Yeah. Who knows? Absolutely. They can calm down for it. Yeah. So could you share insights um, on Nike's engagements with Nigerian communities? Um, I know that um, Nike has like several engagements around fitness. Um, there has been like several collaborations with um, some like a Nigerian designer. And there's the Air Max Day and several others. Yeah. So like, what's the engagement like with the creative community? Uh, yes, that goes back to the full circle communication that I spoke about mm-hmm. uh, earlier on. In every market, Nike engages with the uh, with the local communities. Okay. Uh, at a various, say, a global level, we're obviously sponsors of the Super Eagles and the Super Falcons at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of a, a global message. But then we are responsible for communicating at a local level here. Uh, and it's been very important that we start to create that sort of uh, atmosphere within the company and have that long-term message for our consumers. We started off very slow because we've, we've only opened two stores now at the moment, but as we become larger and uh, uh, more progressive in our in our retail and our wholesale distribution, we will be engaging more with, uh, with local communities. To date, we've had uh, basically Many things just based around the store. We've had for Women's Fitness Month, we had a, a women's fitness event. Uh, for our anniversary, we also had another fitness event in the uh, in, in, in Cage Mall. Uh, as you mentioned, the Air Max Day, which is a global message, but we used a local uh, uh, customization artist to come in and, and uh, some local influencers to have designed their own Nike shoes and paint them. And we communicated that way as well. And at the moment, we're, we've engaged with a company called uh, Layer X, uh, Benga uh, Adeka, who's as, as an upcycling, recycling artist. And that's obviously very important with Nike as well, because the, the zero footprint, uh, the zero carbon footprint so is uh, something mm-hmm. that we're aspiring to by 2050, I think, or 2040, one of those dates, because a lot of the product uh, that Nike is made of is made from recycled product now. Oh, nice. uh, so that's very important to us and he has the same message mm-hmm. as we do so for example he uses local artists to customize uh, Nike shoes uh, and he used uh, uh, Lagos. is that the, the, the local artist you have to excuse mm-hmm. my ignorance on these things I'm not quite au fait with all these okay. and he's designed a particular shoe that has the uh, uh, it's up the the Lagos theme on the uh, on, oh, on the Nike shoes. Mm-hmm. So again, so from a night perspective mm-hmm. uh, uh, and customization, we're connecting with that uh, consumer. We've also organised a uh, a dance competition in the store, which I have to say was amazing. You Nigerians can dance. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was blown away by it mm-hmm. by the by the attendance and just the pure artistry of the mm-hmm. of the people involved. 
Uh, and later on this year, we're going to be connecting with someone that's organizing a sneaker festival. Right. So we're going to be having a presentation at sneakers. We're inviting other sneaker uh, heads to come in and show their collections of sneakers. We're going to have another dance event. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a slam dunk basketball competition. We're going to be engaging with the local uh, skateboarding community. and They're going to come in and do some uh, uh, connections and displays with the skateboarding. Uh, I think then there'll be a, a DJ competition as well. Uh, while we're all talking about uh, uh, sneakers and how important sneakers are in, in, in people's lives, especially the youth generation. Uh, we're also been connecting, again, the sneaker uh, skateboard community. We're going to be doing some sponsorships with them. Uh, we're, there's lots of running events, marathons, 10K runs. We're going to be connecting uh, uh, with those towards the end of this year and all of next year. Uh, especially with the running clubs. There's quite a few running clubs uh, here in Lagos, so we're going to be supporting them through uh, special talks, uh, product selections and things like that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, basically anywhere we think we can connect with the consumer so that we become part of their uh, DNA when they mm-hmm. want to take part in, say, performance sporting areas, we're going to be the first port of call for them and then also from a lifestyle lifestyle with the dance with the with the skater community uh, many many years ago we were never allowed to use the word fashion when we were when i was working with nike we couldn't mm-hmm. use the word fashion but obviously things are progressing now so uh, we are trying to create a product that is more suitable for the local consumer uh, so for example when nike first took over the sponsorship of the Lagos football team and they came out with the first uh, Lagos jersey. It was the first time that they uh, created a lifestyle collection Mm -hmm. uh, for the football jersey. Normally you just buy the football jersey, short pair of socks, Mm that would be it. But now that's the first time they created sort of a lifestyle collection Mm -hmm. and it was probably one of their most successful new collection launches ever. Uh, to the extent that every football collection now has a lifestyle collection. And that mm-hmm. was based on their experience dealing with the Nigerian consumer. So I think as we spend more time here uh, and start to grow, I think Nike will actually start incorporating the West African culture in a lot of their designs mm-hmm. and a lot of their product uh, that they'll be producing in the, in, in, the, in the future. So they'll adapt for and they'll customize their product for the for the uh, West uh, West African market. Well, that's like cool. I see very um, detailed. Mm. Um, you know, I was researching equally again on mm. Nike and I came across, you know, modern urban fashion. You can't yeah. really talk about fashion. It's more of um, sports and um, fitness. And you probably talked about a lot of innovation towards reaching the customer and also um you know, adapting to what we have here in yeah. order equally to reach um, the customer. So again, uh, I think I'll yeah. come from a point of advising creators because I'll say with Africa Fashion, we're really big on helping um, the creative fashion economy, beauty and fashion economy grow mm. and scale based off of the fact that there is so much talent, there's so much creativity here. And I just feel that the, the creatives need the right information mm. and the right know-how in order to um, take the right steps forward. So as regards innovation and adaptability, um, to what extent would you say that um, they should, um, well, I say, embrace innovation 
and adaptability while building their businesses because you hear sometimes people feel that okay they've done maybe one promotion they're good like a single promotion they're good or a single means of communication to their customers they're good and right now you're speaking of several innovations like several adaptability um, strategies that um, nike is working towards in reaching the nigerian um, customers so for the creative brand what would you advise them as regards to innovation and adaptability in building their businesses okay uh i'd actually reverse it to be honest with you okay. i think they need to really establish what their core business is okay mm-hmm. because if, as much as i was talking about nike's adaptability and how they're going to adapt and modify their product for specific markets mm-hmm. 80% of the product is core product. There's the running shoe, the short, the vest, the t-shirt. That's what Nike is known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's how they reach out to the new consust- customer and show the newness and that they're able to have innovation is introducing new products. Mm-hmm. But that is really the icing on the cake. The cake, the sponge of the cake is the core product that we have. And from what I see locally, and I've been to uh, a number of fashion shows and a number of exhibitions, the creativity is fantastic, mm-hmm. but there's probably too much creativity because you don't know what the core message mm-hmm. of the brand is. Mm-hmm. For example, if I said Chanel, you know what Chanel is all about mm-hmm. because it has a core line of product. And then every season there's a new element of coming in or in the, with all the other brands, but the coreness of what the brand message is, is consistent. So I think it's important that they build up what the consistent message of their brand is and then have innovation built around the consistency of their brand rather than say, I'm always have something new. My brand is always new because then you don't have a brand. That's so true. That's honestly so true because most times people don't really with... um I'll say SMEs, most times they just have like maybe multiple ideas and they um, just push out the products, not necessarily deciding, okay, this is the specific product, this is the specific area. But sometimes they'll say that it's limiting. Yeah. Because you hear businesses that'll be like, okay, they want to maybe create multiple or diverse um, outfits, diverse products because they believe it's limited. So what would you say to creatives that have that notion that not um, having them specify or being um, specific to their core would limit them or limit their business? It depends on the... And I understand why they were saying that. And I've come from a different perspective because all the brands I've worked with in the environment, my target market is very large. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas young creators, they have a very small target market and they're dealing with a specific customer base that w- always wants newness and always wants in- innovation. But if they are to grow their brand to a level where it becomes a noticeable brand uh, and has some consistency, they still need to have the coreness, the core element of their brand uh, that is recognizable to a wider audience. Uh, having newness is very important, mm-hmm. but being known for just being new is not really a brand. Because uh, that's the, the, all the brands I've worked with, they're known for three or four things. If you look at Zara, Zara's very innovative in its product. Every collection comes out, there's always something new, but you know what a, the Zara product is, you know what it's mm-hmm. all about. Same with whether it be Nike or whether it be even something like H&M. And I know they're big, large global brands, but even the smaller brands have a core message and they add the newness and the innovation on top, which is important. But if innovation is 
pure, the only thing that purely drives your brand, mm -hmm. then there's no solid foundation. There's no solid foundation. Yeah. You're right. Mm -hmm. There's no solid foundation. It's like you can use any, I don't know, say bottle of Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola has been around for, I don't know, probably a hundred years now. Yeah, and every now and again, they come out with mm -hmm. a new Coca-Cola with orange tango <laughs> or, or whatever it is they do. Yeah. Uh, every now and again, they try and innovate, but it's still the core. Uh, uh, it's still a core product offer that they have. I have another question in line with that. Would yeah. you say it's best to define earlier on or just to define as a brand grows? Uh, I think it's as a brand grows because we all learn as we go along. Mm -hmm. we, we, at the start of your life, you're the different person than you are 10 years later. Yeah, that's and true. You don't say, mm -hmm. okay, I'm 20 now. And this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Yeah, five years later, you've changed. So it's the same with the brand. You start off with where you want to be. You have some basic core values about your brand, but then how that's interpreted grows as you grow and as, uh, as the market grows. And as much as you can be creative, you also have to be very commercial as well. So you can go, okay, I've, I come up with all these great designs and I'm an artist, but if no one's buying them, your creativity will stop. Yeah, it's very shortly after it's that because no one that point. you're very limited. So yeah. you need to have two heads. Your commerciality needs to be set from the core and your creativity can grow and expand as your brand and as as, as you develop as well. well. That's that's actually very true because here again I would say I work with creatives oftentimes and a lot of creatives are more, you know, focused on the creative yeah, on the art. Um, on the heart on the heart and or I'll say the heart of the business, mm -hmm. the creative side and expressing. But then there is the factor that it's important to be able to sell in order for businesses to scale, in order for the industry itself um, to grow yes. as a whole. So um, coming to my next question, what would you say is the benefit of the coexistence of global brands and local brands in Nigeria? Again, many facets. Uh, having global brands here helps develop the retail environment. Uh, I've used my experience, say, in, in Dubai. I went to the Middle East many, many, many years ago. And uh, that was before Dubai was developed. It was still a small mm -hmm. town. Uh, mm -hmm. And there were two shopping malls. Uh, and then international brands came over. And now you have the biggest mall in the world, mm -hmm. as well as others more fashion brands came over. So the whole consumer market grew uh, and it became a consumer market. So people started buying more product because more product, more options were open to them. It became a destination. So with international brands coming in, it will create destinations for the consumer to gather around whether they want to go shopping or a restaurant or a cinema. And it becomes a, an epicenter of activity, whether it's purchasing product, food, or uh, experiences, it's, yeah. it's a, it becomes a market town yeah. in itself, uh, especially for the, 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 the level of brands that we're, we're talking about at the moment. So I think that's very important. Uh, I think then the international brands will, I would imagine, help influence the operating infrastructure within the country. Uh, importation uh, procedures will hopefully improve and be quicker and more efficient. The costs and economics of it will help reduce costs from maybe from a tax point of view, uh, from a production point of view, uh, and then from a uh, from a marketing point of view. The messages that you can 
I wouldn't say copy, but be inspired by other brands because at the end of the day, we all learn from each other. Yes, definitely. Uh, and I think there could be lots of learnings from a marketing communication point of view as well from international brands coming into the market. Yeah, just even having this conversation, which yeah. is as a result of the coexistence of, yeah, yeah so I, I totally agree that it's, it's important because um, in light of that, we would be able to like achieve growth, we'll be able to learn from international brands, and that takes us a step further. So um, generally, what would, what advice would you have for like creatives? I know you've talked about um, not just focusing on the heart, the creativity, but also being um, business focused. You Sometimes I'll say again, I meet creatives that um, it's not necessarily their fault that they're just solely creative. Yeah. They don't necessarily have the knowledge on, okay, this is the next step to take yeah. in their business or this is... The right step to take so what would you say that businesses should do in light of um becoming more business centric business focused or rather creatives what would you say they should do or what steps would you uh, say they should take i think they need to reach out to the business community and understand how businesses work you might be a creative you could maybe make some contacts within the fmcg uh, fraternity uh, because the core principles behind business are the same whether you're selling a fashion dress or you're selling a bottle of coke sure. uh, so if they could maybe extend their social circle or extend their business circle and learn from that and, and try and gauge some insights uh, to that because again I'm repeating myself the core mm-hmm. reason why any brand is successful is purely the economics True. The cost management behind it. The innovation and design of brand is very important, mm-hmm. but that doesn't save the brand and that doesn't make the brand successful. successful. It's the back of house, as I refer to it. It's the back of house operations. So it's gaining that knowledge, gaining those connections uh, and gaining those that, that information and, uh, and helping to develop the, the back of house operations of your business is, is very important. Hey, can you speak on, I'll say, patience? Because, you know, like, um, with the social media era, everybody feels, you know, things are just moving fast. Yeah. Businesses are becoming a billion-dollar business overnight. There's yeah. just that notion based off of social media. But um, something I understand is that business takes time. Yes. It takes time to grow. It can go from, you know, going up to going down, then going up mm. again. So what advice would you give to entrepreneurs based off of, um, them having patience in building their businesses? Uh, you've said it, have patience. <laughs> you've answered my question, thank you very much. Uh, have patience, have a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid to adapt the plan. And as I say to everybody that's within my organisation at the moment, so you have a plan, what's plan B? Because plan A very rarely works out the way you intended. So know what's going to happen if this event occurs. Mm -hmm. Anticipate as many uh, hurdles uh, that could infringe upon your plan and say, okay, if this hurdle appears, how how am I going to deal with it? Don't always assume that this is my plan and I'm passionate it's going to work. Hopefully it would, and ideally it should, but there'll always be a hurdle in the way that's going to uh, cause you problems. So if you can anticipate that, uh, it's easier to get over that hurdle. 
Okay, so I'll say patience, plan, and anticipate. Like it's, I'm sure you guys, you guys heard it all. So you know that it's important to anticipate, be patient, and plan in building your business. So um, I, I think I'm going to ask a similar question to a question I've asked before. What would you um, say is your vision? or I'd say Hudson's vision towards the coexistence um, of Nike here in Nigeria and like other brands equally. I know you've talked mm. about general, like the benefits, but the vision of Hudson, your vision, you've been here in Nigeria for three years. Mm. So what would you say um, the vision is? Uh, the vision is it to be Nike is Nigeria Nike. Mm. If you go to every established market where Nike is in or any other international brand and they say, okay, you're in, say, the UK. People think Nike is UK. They don't, they don't, they don't co-opt it as an American brand. They think it's our brand in our market and it caters for us. And I want Nike to be seen as Nigerian mm. from the way we operate the business from the way we communicate to the product we offer, I want people to say, this is our Nike. It's not coming from New York or London or, 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 or Tokyo. It's Nigerians Nike. That's the message mm-hmm. I want people to take away from, from that. Uh, again, and then from a purely operational point of view, we'll have five or six big Nike stores. We hope to open a major flagship store uh, eventually, which will be impressive uh, and then from a Hudson point of view we have the infrastructure to operate the Nike brand we can cut and paste that to bring other international brands uh, on board as well so I don't know maybe 10 years from now we might have a Hudson shopping mall with 50 brands in it you never know that'll, be, a, that'll be amazing yeah. I'll, I'll say yeah. that I hope our um, ecosystem is favorable towards mm. the vision mm. and like you said we have to like anticipate plan and equally be able to you know innovate the plans that we make yeah. um, while building um, our businesses so yeah definitely I definitely love the idea and the vision of Nike Niger- Nigeria's Nike yeah yeah because it's thinking about it, you know, like brands have to um, be able to look in depth and find not just um, like when they go into a market, they have to be able to um, find a grounding in that market and what's it naturalize, become a part yeah. of that market. So it's it's great understanding that there is that vision with Hudson and with Nike in view of Nike being here. So um, for brands, again, for creative mm. brands, I want you to like give um, an advice to businesses. There are businesses here that people that are trying to build up, but then they go through like several issues around um, infrastructure issues, the stress or mental stress of just having to deal with certain things. Then there is the capital issue. What advice would you give to creatives that are going through all the stresses? Be resilient, be patient, and get back up on your feet as soon as you can, because you will get knocked down, but get back up again. And just keep trying. Because those that keep trying, nine times out of 10, achieve what they they want to achieve. Uh, Even for myself through my own career and with the brands I've worked with, we've 
had some great successes and we've had some great pitfalls, but it's never stopped us getting to where we need to get at the end of the day. So again, just be able to pick yourself back up and be resilient. Okay, thank you. But then I'm not done. I have okay. a final question from All what right. you just said. I'm like, okay, I have to ask this question. You've been in the industry, like in the beauty, in the fashion industry. You've seen like different markets. So like, what has your experience been like generally? Uh, generally, uh, uh, there's no general experience. I started my retail career when I was 16 years old. Wow. I worked as a Saturday sales assistant in a menswear store. And Can I, I get the name of the store? Just Michael John Kavner's Menswear. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was a long, long time ago. Uh, and I've worked in Ireland, UK, France, Holland, all through the Middle East, Asia, Kenya, now here in uh, in, uh, in, in in Nigeria. Uh, the only thing that is consistent in what I've been doing is the challenges. I think I give this speech to all my staff, especially when they join. They're, my work process is split into three. The first mm -hmm. part is I'm a genius. I know what I'm doing. I'm gifted. Follow mm -hmm. me. I'm the Messiah. I know this. I know this <laughs> yeah. part of the inside out. Mm -hmm. The middle part is yeah, I have an idea about it. I need some help. Mm -hmm. I need to find out something. I need some support. I need someone to guide me. Mm -hmm. And then the other part, the other third is I haven't a clue what I'm doing here. It's mm -hmm. a complete challenge for me. It's completely new. And it's that part of my career and job that has drives the most passionately. When I'm in a position where, oh my goodness, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. How do I get to the end of this, of this journey, of this road, when you don't know where you're starting from. And that to me is uh, the most exciting and the most passionate part about my career to date, I think. So it's interesting that that's the most interesting part because, you know, most times people will run to the fact that, okay, they have the passion, mm -hmm. they are the Messiah, or they have the idea, they can execute. But then now you're saying that, okay. The, it's the challenge. The challenge is the... Yeah. The but unknown. Then, but then how do you like... Um, cope with challenges I, I just have to ask personally on how do you cope with challenges because uh, I'll take personally right sometimes it's like oh my god what's going on why is the world like this that's just it for me but I'd uh, like to know your perspective it's quite easy nicotine and caffeine sorry no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know I, you just do yeah. I don't think I have a, a, a process it's, mm -hmm. it's just you wake up in the morning it's like I need to do this now and I go to bed in the evening and then do it again. I don't think there's any way of coping. Uh, I probably should sit down with some sort of therapist and find out what it is. But at the moment, I don't. I, I just get up and get on and do do what needs to be done. I think if you work, if you looked at generation, like for example, my my mother uh, and my, my my father's generation, they just had to get up and do it. Okay, yeah. they had challenges, mm -hmm. far more challenges than I've ever had. But they okay. They showed up. I, I got up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I did what I had to do, and then I went to bed at night. Yeah, and sure. that's that's how you that's how you deal with it. You just, but again, I'm not I'm not uh, saying that people should do that. They should find <laughs> their own way. Each yeah, generally, yeah. I'll say you find your own way, in, or Karen is saying find your own way in coping with your challenges, right? Yeah. And yeah, um, I'll say this has been an interesting, insightful conversation. And I just have to like say thank you because this no, is just all. wonderful. Um, okay, I think I have one more question. Just one more question. 
Um, so what would you say um, the future of retail in Nigeria looks like? Just a forecast, what would you say it looks like? To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I don't really know. Uh, it goes back to my experiences globally. Every new market I've gone into, people, the, the local environment tend to cut and paste what worked somewhere else. So, for example, I, I mentioned Dubai. Dubai was a few streets, a few tall buildings, and they said, okay, this works in New York, this mm-hmm. works in London, this works in Paris, let's just Try it. cut and paste and put it here. And mm-hmm. it worked within that environment. But I don't think Africa is like that. I think Africa is going to drive its own market, market and its own passage of how it's going to be. Uh, and I'm just thankful that I'm going to be part of that journey. I doubt very much I'll be here at the end of it because at the end it's a very, very long journey. But I think Africa is going to de- define and dictate its own market. I don't think it's going to cut and paste what happens in the rest of the world. Okay. Yeah, that's... That's true. We see it. I think yeah. we see it generally with businesses that have, um, that are building up. They have to create their own difference yes. here. So it's not necessarily how it's done there. Mm. I know we're taking some things, but mm. our market is unique. It's yeah. it's different, and we're a very different people. So so definitely, I totally understand. <laughs> that scope so i think at this junction i would say thank you guys for watching to this point i don't know if you have any final words final thoughts no i've said enough i think thank you (laughs) all right thank you guys for watching to this point and being a part of the fashion lore podcast um ensure to like to subscribe to drop your opinions i hope this is very insightful and businesses can learn so much from this episode thank you so much Thank <laughs> you.